0: Awesome! Thank you for doing this. Much appreciate. No worries,
1: ma'am. Sorry about the other day. I fucking uh, Noble Ross Noble asked us to do six hours of uh, four hours of coronation content, and um, he's just only in town. He's only in, he's going to go back to the UK or some bullshit. So, thanks for rescheduling.
0: No Absolutely easy. Anytime. Thank you. No worries. Well, how was the coronation? Was it good?
1: It was exactly well. It's a people forget that it is a. Its only purpose is to be a Protestant ceremony. Yeah. Everything being said is just to, to rely to remind everyone that this is not a Catholic. We are not Catholics. <laughs> and once you once you get once you know that, you sort of go oh, okay. It's you know sort of yeah. Anyway, it, it's it was ridiculous. It was fun, but whatever. Yeah. That's cool.
0: All right. Awesome. Well, thank you, Ed Cavally, for coming on the podcast today. Thank you. Thank
1: you for having me. Good to be
0: here. Yes, much appreciated. I can. Thank Jack for this one as well, I think.
1: <laughs> yes, it was a great episode. I've known Jack a long time and um, and uh, I'm really happy that his podcast is going so well because that was always his passion. Um, you know, he would, even when we were working together, he would talk about true crime and one that he'd heard and, and, and I do actually remember him mentioning once that uh, he was thinking about sort of talking to prisoners or whatever and, you know, I've got to, anyone who knows me knows that I fucking hate true crime because... <laughs> The basic premise is as follows, um, and I, I'd love them to come on and argue with me. But the basic premise is: um, Would you mind if we did a show about your family being murdered? There is no payment available. I'm sorry, yeah. and that is the that is the only business model that they have. And so that you know, you get to a point where like Joel Edgerton and. Um, a couple of others are standing on the balcony at uh, Venice Film Festival, congratulating themselves for making *The Stranger*, while the family of the uh, actual crime that took place said, "A, we didn't know anything about it, and B, we don't want you to make this film." While Joel and his mates are <laughs> holding awards, going, "Look at us for telling important stories!" It's just, it's a, it's the, it's the single most ridiculous genre there is.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's very interesting, but he's doing very well with it, so. Well, I've told him
1: that guys, I said I said, but he, say, he always says that, which is true. Which is the difference is that these people know the deal and are telling their own stories. Yeah. So that was the wider point I wanted to make. The reason I quite like that is, um, you know, I've always I've got a ten step plan. If anyone wants it, that I can email them of, of how to start a true crime podcast. Uh, and five of those points are don't pay the families of the people getting butchered.
0: Yeah, that was rough, but yeah. So anyway, so you are were born in Sydney originally.
1: I was born in Sydney, yeah, in in North Sydney Hospital. And then my family, my mother moved, we moved to Brisbane. Yep. And then we moved back to Sydney. Yep. And then I've lived sort of at airports ever since. And uh, yeah, that's the case. So I have a working knowledge of uh, rugby league, Expo 88, uh, and uh, sort of uh, 90s and 2000s Sydney based culture. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Beautiful.
1: So you originally you went to was it Sydney University? I think you went to. So I went to Sydney University, um, did an arts degree, which is a three year degree, and I got it in only five years, which is record <laughs> time. Which is actually record time. I remember there was a bloke that we knew who was nervous, and we said, "What's wrong with uh, a what was always you know ex bloke?" And they said, "Oh, he's been bit, bit upset. He's about to time out." I said, "What, what do you mean time out?" So we've only got 10 years to do an arts degree and he's on his uh, ninth and a half year and he's still got two credits to get. <laughs> so he was always the clubhouse leader. But um, I believe he ended up with a PhD. We used to have these things at uni, at Sydney Uni, when we were it was in the Dramatic Society Suds, um, which is, I, I honestly can't recommend highly enough. It's just such a great little incubator. So many good people have come from it. And uh, And... Better than me, I mean. And uh, there was a dude who was sort of tangentially involved, but he was more of a PhD student. And we used to have these parties in the inner city, inner west of of Sydney called No Consequences Parties. And they're exactly as they sound. And he rocked up once. This guy's a PhD student, mind you. It was a No Consequences Party. And there was a knock on the door. And uh, two of us who lived at the house opened it. And he was there in a pair of reading glasses, completely nude. He arrived, he arrived in the nude. <laughs> Here is a man dedicated to the idea of no consequences, and yeah. that man has a PhD. <laughs> he is now doctor something, something, something.
0: Well, doctors are always
1: the wild ones. Aren't they? Well, that was always the thing about the med review. The med review, you'd go along to see, and the humour was so fucking dark because these people had seen everything. Mm. Their humour is was, like, just bleak. They did a... Um, I'll never forget it. They did a Tomb Raider uh sketch called Womb Raider. And I can't even <laughs> I can't even describe what happened after that. And I remember you talk to them afterwards, you go, What was going on with Womb Raider? And they go, Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was based on something that someone told us when they were into it. And I go, Yeah, but the rest of it was just like a shocking thing to happen. They're like Oh yeah, I guess yeah, I guess uh, yeah, right. Yeah, right, okay.
0: Um, oh well, and they're the ones who save our lives. I uh, know. Hey, I've, I've more more power to them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So um, yeah, so you studied at Sydney University, and that's how you it wasn't that I studied. It was
1: that I was there. So exactly. two things took place while I was there. Theatre sports was massive when I when I first got there. The first day I got there, um, I went to watch theatre sports because I didn't really know what I wanted to do, and I went along and Adam Spencer and Rob Carlton. And Andrew O'Keefe, back when he used to be able to use his name, who I only knew—I only knew as Beef O'Keefe before he had his troubles—and they were playing in a theatre sports team called "Lick Me, I Know You're Dirty," oh, yeah. and they were doing it at Manning Bar, and they were so funny. It was so—they were so quick and they were so funny. And I remember thinking, "Well, I don't know what I want to do with my life, but I sure as hell know I want to do this." and that's how I got involved. And so, Steen Raskopoulos, um, who is a great improviser and a great comedian, him and Carlo, his homeboy in the bear pack, just sold out the Enmore Theatre, 1,300 tickets as well they should. The first time I ever saw Steen was when he was 16 years old, um, and his sister Jordan Raskopoulos was playing theatre sports with me. We went through together. And uh, and Jordan said, hey, can my brother come and get some stage time? He's in your tent. And he came along, and this is 600 students. We used to get 600 students in the bar every week for this free show. So imagine that on a Thursday. Yes. It was packed. And I'm there. I was host at this point. And he came out, this kid, 16 years old, no fear, nothing, no fear in him. And he was so funny and so great. And that's another great breeding ground. So you do these shows at Sydney Union, like Sydney, you know, get $300. So I'm jumping around, but you'd sit, the Dramatic Society, you get $300 to put on a show in a theatre. Yeah. And you do it for two weeks, and some of them were shit. Oh, the best shit one I ever saw was I had this really handsome friend called Pete. Pete Budnick, I'll use his full name because he's worth it. And God damn it, he's still handsome as the day is as long as. Fuck me, he was beautiful. Anyway, there was this girl that was in love with him, and you couldn't have him. No one could have him. I, I once witnessed at, at a party, at my own house, mind you, a girl and Pete on the stairs. And as I walked past, the only thing I heard her say was, just, Pete, just just let me touch you once. That was actually what she said to him. And it was fair enough. And I was, I was like, yep, that's the, that's the right thing to say. He was that beautiful. Anyway, this girl found a loophole. She wrote a play Ooh. in order to get back at her ex-boyfriend who had just dumped her. She just wrote one in a week. It was amazing. It's called You Copenhagen. And... What she decided to do was cast Pete as the lead male in which she was literally tied to him for the entire play. (laughs) So that on opening night, which I went to her ex-boyfriend could be in the front row to watch this take place. But he trumped her because he rocked up with a box of uh, chocolates and flowers and sat there with a gift for her. (laughs) Now these are just ridiculous student shenanigans. However, forced us to do stage time yeah. so i mean i could bang on and on the list is quite endless of the people that have come through it but we were it just you made your mistakes in public and that is just so invaluable that's what stand-ups do i'm not a stand-up but stand-ups make their mistakes in public yeah. and that's why the good ones are so wonderful and that's what this was like and, and now i keep reading about how theater sports has finished at uni manning bars closed there is you know and i luckily i actually <laughs> for for other reasons I had to catch up with a young bloke who was in the dramatic society at at uni now. And he told me that it was still going, that they still got the 400, they got 400 bucks now and they were still putting on weird shows. And he described something he was in and it sounded shit. And I was like, that sounds fucking terrible. And he said, it was, but we learned from it. And I said, that's exactly the point. And that is, that is just the best. I cannot recommend that highly enough for people because near these days, you know, everyone now just sort of gets TikTok and, says, um, here's a hack from the gym that they're not going to tell you. That is shit content. Yeah. They, 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 people keep telling me that TikTok is good. It isn't. They, they, If isn't. I'll go right. Tell me now, what's the best TikTok you've ever seen?
0: Um, I don't know, probably chicks jumping into bikinis.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but do you see what I mean? You can't even remember yeah, which yeah. one. Yeah, so exactly. if I ask people to say, what's the best TikTok you've ever seen? They, they do this. They raise their broker Exactly. Yeah. It's like asking people what the best KFC chip they ever had was. They know that the general flavour is sort of something they like, but fuck me if they can remember anything that ever took place.
0: Now, speaking of KFC, was that your first television gig? The ad. Yeah, I did see the ad the other day. Oh, you see, is it, it's because it's back up on YouTube, is it? Yeah, it's on YouTube. Yeah. Oh, it
1: gets taken down occasionally for just for my haircut, but it um <laughs> it. So that was Gus and Dave. So I'm at uni, right? And I couldn't get an agent because I didn't have any proper acting training until I went to Screenwise, which is in Sydney, which is a great place to go, blah, 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 whatever, great people. Denise is legend. So I couldn't get an agent. However, my friend Denise, who ran Screenwise, she said, I think you've got something. So she sent me to an audition for Blue Healers, and I'll never forget what they said to me. I had to pay a policeman standing by the bed of someone who had been caught for trying to blow up something at the police station. Right, which happened every three weeks in Blue Heelers. It happened so much that my friend Rob Carlton has has been cast as two separate people to do it with just a different haircut. <laughs> Finally, he said to them, I might have to do a New Zealand accent here, otherwise I just look like the same lunatic rocking up every everywhere that, who gets his hair dyed and then tries it again. Anyway, so I did an audition for that. I was playing a policeman. Now I look like a policeman, That that is a fair assessment of my general look. You know what I mean? Sort of clean cut, unremarkable brunette man. Tall. That's the look the police want, right? So I did the audition and they go, okay, thanks. This was at Mulliners, which is no longer where it is in Sydney. And I said, all right, how'd I go? They go, yeah, good. Okay, actually, it's my first audition I've ever had. I need to learn. Could you be honest with me? This was back in the days of camcorders. And the bloke said, really? I said, yep. He turned off the camcorder. I thought, fuck. And he he goes, now listen to me. You're not handsome enough to play leading men, but you're also not sinister and, and odd enough to play uh, bad guys. Have you thought about comedy? <laughs> and I said, yep, thank you. Fantastic advice, fantastic advice. And so then I said, okay. So then I went back. I was the reader opposite people in audition. So I would see people audition. So I've been opposite people. and I don't know why I'm still not allowed to say. It's quite odd. But I've been opposite people in Australia – that have booked quite big American jobs, and I can honestly tell you, it's a fucking lottery.
0: Yeah. I would
1: see people come in and do an audition, and I'd be like, I'd turn around to the to the casting people at Mul- at at, uh, so at Fate and I'd go, "Well, they've got the job," and they would go, "Yeah, that was unbelievable." And then someone else would come in, sort of reading off the read off the script, and they'd leave, and I would go, "Ugh," and they they casting agents would say, "I don't know." And honestly, it sometimes the fucking couldn't be fucked person would get this big American job and other times you'd get somebody who was absolutely through the roof. So it just always reminded me, I was like, oh, this is a luck game. That's what made me stop wanting to be an actor where I was like, oh, I see. Yeah. If this was a meritocracy, and I'm shit, but if this was a meritocracy, there are brilliant people who get to the top. Don't get me wrong. But there's also just a lot of fucking mediocre, you got the right eyebrows. You got the right – that's the va- that's the vagaries of it, which is fair enough. Whatever. It's not a meritocracy. Let's not pretend it is. But I, they said to me, oh, this is KFC thing. For two weirdos who live in a caravan inside the uh, car park of a KFC, we think you'd be perfect for it. <laughs> and <laughs> I didn't do anything. I just said the lines, and people were like, yes, what a freak. And I, honestly, I'm like, Really? I'm not trying to be odd over here. I'm just trying to be ex- enthusiastic about the zinger about the works burger. So I did the job. Then Tony, then I got the job with the yeah, my life changed when I got the job with Tony Martin on get this. But fucking Tony started banging on about how I wasn't actually eating the burger. You can't eat the burger. You're there all day. And if you chomp the burger, it fucks up the back of the burger, which is what the camera sees. Yeah. So you have to mind eating the burger. Oh, but He kept saying it. So KFC pulled the ad. My agent, who I just got, was like, what the fuck are you doing? You can't go on radio and say that you're not eating the fucking burgers in the ad. And I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. It's Tony's fault. He's an asshole. Years later. The guy that who was in, I was in the ad with, who's a very good actor and director in his own right. He's now gone on to make feature films. Yeah. He was living in LA, but he just got there. So he was starting out. He was working in a bar, did nothing. But I was working on a couple of things. Get a call. I was, no longer, I was sort of starting to be Ed Cavalier, if you know what I mean. Yeah. And they said, oh, KFC want to replay the ad. I said, what do you mean they want to, re-? said, they want to replay the ad? Oh, the is coming back out again. They want to replay your ad. I said, what? With me, is me now. Not just as a guy who lives in a caravan. And they're like, no, with the knowledge that you're you is you and whatever. This is how much they're going to pay. And I'm an idiot. And I just go, (laughs) no. Fuck them. No. I mean, now with two children, I'd be like, yes, please. (laughs) And so I go, no. I get a Facebook message from the other dude in the ad. Mate, I'm living on a couch over here. I was counting on that cash. I felt so bad. Oh. It was too late. They'd reshot something else I'm Sorry, bro. But anyway. But yeah, so short answer yet. No, it was actually my second job. My first job, I got, I was played Chandler in an ad for a a friend's ripoff for Pizza Hut in Japan. And the whole premise of the ad was that I came home, saw pizza, and then kissed the handsome bloke that was playing Joey.
0: That was it.
1: (laughs) There was nothing else in this ad. Yeah. That was it. I reckon we did about... 40 takes, and every time I went and kissed this bloke, we sort of fell back on the couch. The two blokes from Pizza Hut or Domino's, Japan, I can't remember which one it was now, abso- I've never seen people laugh harder in their life. Every time they laughed, as hard as the first time. And I've never been able to get hold of the ad.
0: Oh, yeah, right.
1: Actually, I'm starting to think it wasn't for an ad at all, but anyway, who cares? <laughs>
0: did it even air?
1: Yeah, did it even air? Did they even have any film in that camera?
0: <laughs> no, that's cool. That's cool. But then, so like... Is that how you then got into radio? Because you're acting, you didn't... No,
1: no. I, I got. A, I was a reader at auditions for Boytown, Mick Malloy's yep. film. My friend Josh got a role in it, Josh Lawson. And Mick Mick heard my side of the tape and said, that guy seems all right. Turn the camera around. That's how I got that. And it was at the party for Boytown that I met Tony. Tony said to me, you're in that movie. You did a good job. I said, thanks, Tony. Tony was one of my heroes. So is Mick, you still are. And I said... He said to me, what do you normally do? I said, oh, I drive the Black Thunders and um, for Today FM and Triple M. And I, uh, I work in a video shop back when there was such a thing. And he said, video shop? What's your favorite movie? And I said, With Nail and I, which is a small British comedy from 1982 with Richard, how Richard E. Grant got started. And he was like, what? Because I was 24. He's like, why is that your favorite movie? And I said, oh, I don't know. Because I, I worked at this video store since I was 14. So I've fucking seen everything. By the time I was 24, I'd seen fucking everything twice. So... And that's how he just said, oh, And I didn't hear anything. And he just rang me. My, no, my boss rang me from the radio station and said, you know, we've been trying to think about finding you a way to get on air. And I'm like, uh, no, you mean how I normally just drive you to the airport <laughs> and <laughs> hand out Coke. And he goes, "Oh, yeah, Tony's been looking for someone. And I was like, really? And that was it. I got the job with Tony and I've told that story many times. I didn't know how to panel, but then he kept me on. Um, and that was it.
0: Bang, straight on and you haven't looked back since
1: i haven't looked back but i haven't i don't know i've been thinking about this a lot recently i was thinking about like because i met this yeah you know, this young fella for something that we're working on and um he's exactly where i was yeah same age same place he's much sort of you know more talented than i was and i and i thought oh and he said to me you know he was sort of asking me things and i said oh i thought about it and i was like no I actually think that uh, there are, everyone would do things differently. Of course they would, but I look at like Broden Kelly from Auntie Donna, or you know Tony, or uh, you know Hughie, or even Mick and, and etc. And Working Dog and those people, and I just look at their work rate and output and confidence in their angle. Yeah. And I think that is a that is something that I haven't done well as yet, if you know what I mean. yeah, yeah. I, have I physically been present at jobs? Yes <laughs> and am I eternally grateful for those things? Most certainly yeah but out, you know but outside that have I have always been very, very lucky to be helped by the uh agency of others who have put faith in me and i as, and I am always grateful and acknowledge that those things are how I am for the most part where I am at this point.
0: Yeah. Awesome. That's good. So then you, so you've been on radio. Yeah. Um, have you been paying attention is where I first became a yep. fan of yours. Yep. And that would be, would you say that's your main.
1: Yeah. Radio. And that, absolutely. Absolutely. Because that show literally started in an office at working dog with us, me and Pang making stupid dances yeah. and Tommy, Asking questions and us hitting a pen on a cut on a mug, yeah, right. And then Rob said, "I think there's a TV show in in that." And I said, "In what, Rob?" And He said, "In that quiz." I said, "Which bit?" <laughs> but that's why they're them because they can then go, "Oh no, trust me." And before you know it, you're sitting on the set with the buzzer and you go, "Oh, well, this is nice." <laughs>
0: <laughs> now it's a very good show. Me and my partner watch it every week. We that's our thing. Yeah,
1: people always ask me, like you know, you, they say, "Oh, you win." First thing I say is always, these are the dumbest people ever assembled. Like, this is not a difficult, this is not a difficult victory. But also, you've got to remember that, like, it's a, it, we we cut out the stuff that, it's not, not much, but sometimes Tom will ask a question, I've never, I have not, I have not a clue what he's talking about. So I can't think of a joke. No one can. Yeah. We all just stare at him. <laughs> and they just cut it out.
0: <laughs> yeah, And time. that happens
1: because it happens. You can't tell. That happens. That happens, you know, sometimes. And even afterwards, I go, what the fuck was that question? And he'll say, oh, yeah, something, something happened. And you're like, Jesus. Yeah, That's right. me, by. I remember there was a death last year. I can't remember who it was, but someone had died. <laughs> Tom asked this question. Not a clue. I thought they was kidding. I was like, hey, yeah. oh, hang on. Is he serious? Oh, shit. Um, anyone? Anyone? No. First we'd heard of it. First we'd have heard of it.
0: Yeah, right. Hectic. No, you, you. well, you think so quick, like you're so quick-witted. So how? how?
1: Radio. So it's radio...
0: Like you've always yeah. done it? Well, impro.
1: Impro teaches you to listen. Yeah. And there's this great exercise that every single person can do in order to make themselves 50% funnier and 50% more interesting in conversations and 50% better at in, at in, at conversation in general. And it's very, very simple. And we can do it now. So if I said to you... um Where is a place in the world you'd like to go? Dubai. Next choice. Scotland. Next choice. Iceland. Next choice. USA. Great. So, see how your mind starts to change the way it thinks about things? Yeah. That. The next choice after the first choice is often interesting. The choice after the choice is often the most interesting. The most interesting choice out of that lot was Iceland. Yeah. But you got there by shifting Dubai and the other one out, of the, and then your mind kicked back in and you went, no, hang on a sec, USA. <laughs> that is something that people can do every day of the week, and Impro teaches you to do that sift in a microsecond. So, you yeah. know, in The Matrix, where he's when they go into with Morpheus and they're choosing the weapons, and all the weapons come flying in and they have a look at them? I would say oh, The Matrix. All right. Well, there's a bit <laughs> in The Matrix where there's a bit in The Matrix where he has to choose a weapon, and I think thousands of weapons just come flying out of nowhere for him to choose. Yeah. Johnny Reeves. Yep. That's what that process is like. Your mind starts to just offer you up five separate things, and you pick the funniest one, and you say it, and you keep moving, and you don't even and you don't even think about it.
0: Well, there you go. Eh? So, um, so you've done like, have you been paying attention? Um, thank God you here is is coming back. Most certainly is. That's exciting. Is that this year that's going to be back or next year? Is it is this year. It will be back. Yes. Beautiful, beautiful. I'm sure you can't say too much yet. Um. Soccer, well, football, World Cup. Mm. I saw you had a show with that one. Mm. And you're a crazy soccer tragic I've seen you describe yourself as.
1: So when I was growing up in Sydney, my friend Michael Luciano, an Italian guy, he was into soccer, he was into Inter Milan. So I went, I'll be into soccer, I'll be into Inter Milan. And I went and saw them play when I was in high school and I've been into it ever since. I like rugby league, I like AFL, I love soccer. And... Something funny's happening with soccer where all of the commentary – sorry, yesterday. Ange Postacoglu won the Scottish League with, with Celtic, Australian coach. Yep. This is an Australian man. This man played for Australia. His heritage is Greek. We accept that. <laughs> but the fucking BBC go, but, uh, Ange Postacoglu from the boy from Greece who something, something, they just can't do it. The, the soccer media, the English soccer media is so populated by fucking posh wankers who just can't bear it. Because if they allow Australia to have any foothold at all, yep. all their little house of cards is over. Because it means that they no longer, it's like the last vestige of the empire is taking place in soccer media. Because as long as they can control what thoughts need to be given and what opinions are allowed to be had. Yep. by? That's why they're so anti the Super League. They all crap on about how they worry, they worry about what's going to happen to Burnley. These people can give a flying fuck what happened to Burnley. They <laughs> fucking went to Oxford. They couldn't give a fucking shit. Yeah. What they care about is the idea that they can't then dispense knowledge from on high.
0: Yep.
1: So that is something that even in here in Australia, Santo and myself and the others have always just tried to have some fun with the game and muck around with it because you never want to get into that. Well, if we just look here on the – because even if you do it, even if you do things that way, yeah. at some point you're going to butt up against, nah, but that guy with an accent, that guy's got an accent. Maybe he could do it better.
0: Yeah, that's no good. But, um, yeah, your World Cup show was very good, was enjoyable. We, which,
1: which, we, which we will do again at some point.
0: Yeah, we will know. do that again at some point. No, it was
1: good. It was, cause I, we were going to do – we were thinking about doing like the guitar. But we ran into some of the funniest (laughs) double talk you'll ever heard in your life. We had a chat with a broadcaster that was so riddled with bizarre contradictions that we got off the phone and went, that's the joke. The joke was that meeting, which you can't play. So we better
0: not do it. (laughs) Hopefully, the next one. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> so you're also undercover, ripped up.
1: Well, at the moment, I've got a bulging disc in my neck, and i had a uh, I had a parasite in my bowel, and so I have not. I haven't been in this bad a shape for 15 years, and I'd be lying if I said it hasn't affected me. But slowly but surely, I'm sort of building myself back up um, because when you might, when it works in your head, I find that the physicality for me is just going and working out and doing something else. I just enjoy it. And I have no vices. I'm an intensely uninteresting individual. So it's a place for me just to go and I just like it. I don't know what it is. It's just something as soon as I did it. At Sydney Uni, actually, I just thought, oh, this has got a different feel to it. I hate saying that because there are people right now doing proper jobs outside. Luke Heggie has a great joke. You know, he he worked on building sites for years. This is Luke Heggie's joke, and Luke Heggie is a genius. This is not – I'm telling you to go and watch his special on YouTube because it's the best. So, this is not me doing – I'm not stealing Luke's joke. This is Luke's joke, <laughs> and I'll butcher it. But the premise is he works on building sites. I don't he, – he says, you know, I don't go to gyms because on building sites, nobody screams when they have to pick up something heavy. So, I just <laughs> – and it's <laughs> – That's true. So, so, I, you know – I take the point that there are people who would do who lift things, you know, professionally.
0: <laughs> but um, so it all started from when your wife, Tiffany, Tiffany Hall, who was on... She would say that, but no.
1: So mm-hmm. her, her attitude is always that she started it. No, she most certainly did not. <laughs> it started because... It actually started because of the World Cup show. I was doing breakfast radio and I was doing the World Cup show. I was getting home at 10 o'clock at night yep. and I was eating like a maniac. I got to 108 kilos and I just felt terrible. For me, it's just weight. I was like, <sighs> and so I thought I'd stunned done that uni stopped and then thought, no, hang on, what are you doing? I looked ahead. And also I thought if I'm going to do breakfast radio, I looked ahead and there were some very unhealthy people doing it. Yep. And I thought, mm, because I didn't drink, I thought I actually don't really have much reason not to be fit. So I just did it.
0: Right. Because I saw that after your first born, I think it was, you had the photo posted where you
1: Oh, is that with that in the pool?
0: Yeah. Yeah. See,
1: I don't, see, that's not my, that's my wife's doing. And The Rock, but then The Rock liked it and put it, and I was like, well, because I remember I, when I was in LA for a little while, so I was at a gym once. We we're at this gym. And Ash Williams tells this story because it's more his life. So here's some of the, one, on one day, here's the people that were at Equinox West Hollywood Jodie Foster, Cameron Diaz, Dave Navarro, Fabio, Paulie Shaw, Kevin Connolly from – this is one day, like at 10 a.m., right? Kevin Connolly uh, from Entourage, uh, Dave Navarro, and Fred Durst, lead singer of Limp Bizkit. That's 10 a.m. on a Wednesday at this this place. Everyone's ignoring them, doing the right thing, except Fabio. People just talk to Fabio, and he loves it. While he's doing Seated Row, while he's working out, He's fine. He somehow still finds ways to shake people's hands and go, how are you doing, bro? Looking good. <laughs> it's the best. Anyway, we go downstairs. There's two people whose job is to wipe the mirrors. I'm like, why are the mirror wipers so – You know in the NBA when someone on the floor, they run out the and <laughs> do the floor real quick? The Rock was working out, getting ready for a movie. He was doing shoulder press so heavy and so hard that he was sitting in front of it and the mirror was fogging up.
0: deep. Hectic.
1: That's sad. It was it was a sight to behold. I'm almost certain that he, they just paid him to come and work out. Because <laughs> anyway. They probably would. Well I think I was like, yeah, though if they gave Mark Wahlberg a share of what was it? The Jeta gyms or something? Anyway, whatever. F forty
0: five or something? Oh, yeah, one of the shares,
1: one yeah. of the ones that went broke. Um, <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, well, could be a reason for that. Mm. But yeah, so then you've become the cover of men's health.
1: Tiff said to me they'll They they wanted to have a couple on the cover of of men's health and women's health. They wanted to have a pregnant woman on the cover of women's health. And they said, if Ed will do men's health and you do women's health, that will be like a first. And I finally acquiesced. I've been asked a few times. And I finally said, do you know what? Who gives a shit? Like, just do it. And we did it. And it was, I don't know, fun's not the right word. It was, how do I put this? A real letdown, because you want like fucking chicks to slide into your DMs and be like, "Don't worry about her, like, <laughs> like come with me, like, look at these, you know what I mean, like, come on, baby, let's go to fucking Capri, and like, no one needs to know," and it just doesn't. It just, I just don't get them. No. I don't know what what do I have to do to get some DMs go <laughs> Like, I don't even say it's so. I don't even know what a like an illicit DM looks like. Yeah. I wouldn't even know it if I got
0: one. That's it's tragic. <laughs> oh well, that's that's a good accomplishment though. Thank no it's not.
1: Know. It's not. <laughs> because the only point is to get hey baby no one needs to know or like cool look good. Well, that's the I see, I don't even know what the, I don't even know what the the how do you So what is the point of this podcast? What are you trying to do? me Yeah.
0: I, what do you want to, what
1: do you want to do with your life?
0: Um at the moment I'm not too sure. But What do you that- think the answer is? Well the aim of the podcast is just meeting interesting people and talking to people from different walks of life. Like I've had a vet from LA who helps the homeless people. He's got his own T V yep. show on Netflix. Yeah. Um, footy players. Which one? Um, Jamie Soward. He's one of my best I, friends.
1: I know I know Jamie Soward. I know exactly who that is. So where do you know? So you are you from Penrith?
0: Um, I'm not from Penrith. I live on the Gold Coast, but I used to work in Penrith. Did you? Mm.
1: Yeah,
0: for Four years. I actually met Jamie at the pub that I was working at. Really? Which one? Uh, the Overlander. Overlander, what is that? Cambridge Gardens.
1: Oh, right. Um, yeah, so well, then what? I don't know. So what does episode 1,000 look like?
0: Hopefully me on my farm interviewing people. Oh, yeah, a farm? Eventually, yeah. Uh, we're on the Gold Coast at the moment. so the What type of farm? A rescue farm, a sanctuary.
1: But do you need money for that?
0: Yeah, eventually a bit more. A little how bit How much
1: money okay, how much money does a sanctuary farm? Because they don't these the fuckers eat a lot of food and stuff.
0: Yeah. Uh, to start up? Probably a yeah. meal. A meal to start up. How much to run per year? Um, don't know yet. I'll get back to you on that one when I get to it. Doesn't John doesn't John Stewart have one of them? I'm not sure, maybe. I think probably. John
1: Stewart has a as a as a sanctuary.
0: Yeah, just a couple of horses, some pigs. Just two? No, oh, like obviously more, but... If you How many horses? Eaves, cows. That does sound like fun. Probably four. Four horses. Enough for the whole family to ride. It's <laughs> a great idea but the trail riding. But at the moment, I we go traveling at the end of the year. We're going to Scotland and Iceland.
1: Well, you are going to Iceland? Yeah, yeah. So when I asked you before, it was like something you're already doing?
0: Well, I want to. What? Well, I'm going... Yeah, that's I, what I mean. You haven't been yet. <laughs> yeah, well, you, you booked it. <laughs> yeah, but haven't been yet. Okay, fair enough. Um, yeah, go travelling for a bit. Come back and.
1: Reset. So, you have who is the who is the who is the family?
0: Me and my partner. Two children. No children. Two dogs. Two Dalmatians. Two Dalmatians. Kids, hopefully next year. Woo! Jesus. Yeah. So, just Janelle and I at the moment. And we, do
1: you day? Do you have a day job? Two. What do you day jobs?
0: Um, I work for an online bookie.
1: The like the like a like a points bet.
0: Similar, yeah, but not points bet. A bet, yeah. on points bet. Yeah. And um, security. So, uh, what what do you do for the online bookie? Customer service, customer relations. Mm. Talk to people, take bets. Oh, you talk to people? Yeah. On the phone. Like, if you want to bet on what the hell. Yeah. AFL mm-hmm. live you can call me up and I'll put your bet on how do you take the payment it's already in their account oh you don't gamble do you so <laughs> like, <laughs> like you've got an account like on your no, app and then not. you just call up right. and, no I don't gamble yeah give me your account number and mm. I put it straight on
1: of all of the vices I reckon that one would be the, the most uh, enticing for me gambling oh yeah it's yeah I had one. I do one a year. I do over unders on the NBA, so I can be I forty bucks per one, two hundred dollar total or something. So yeah. with a mate, so that you're in every game. Yeah. And I'm like, that's not bad value. Two two hundred dollars for a year's worth of what I call entertainment. And if I get a return, I get a return. It's not a bad investment. It's not bad. Yeah, nah. no, that's good. It's fun. It's it's
0: something yeah. different. Yeah, it is. Like, like I get to work. A friend of mine them.
1: works for a friend, mate of mine works for a. He's the head of operations for an online, I'm going to get this right one day, a series of online casinos. Whoa. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Tries a really nice car and spends most of his days playing beach volleyball. Yeah, I bet he does. I, I said, what do you do all day? He goes, I run the operations. I'm like, from here? You've had you've had six games of beach volleyball today.
0: Yeah? <laughs> Half his luck. Yeah. 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 It's like different. It's good though. Like I... I don't know if you know the Gold Coast at all, but I most certainly do. Okay, well, do you know Northern New South Wales? Yes. Okay, so one of our officers are at the racetrack at Moreland so we oh. spend a lot of time there. Interesting. Yeah, mm. but it's my hometown where I grew up. So, righto. So you're well versed. So it's not so much fun. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Righto. Good. But yeah. Who knows, we'll figure it out. I'm not 30 mm. yet, so I'm not stressed. No, nah, don't worry about it. Okay. <laughs> but um, not talking about me, we're talking about you. Mm. You have written two kids' books.
1: I just wrote, finished the third, so Jackie Jack will be illustrating that. Yeah. Um, and I put the money in – it's a classic. There was a comedian at the comedy festival who she said, oh, I've turned 40 now, so if this comedy thing doesn't work out, I can do it every – Person does every celebrity does and write a kid's fart book, which is which is true, except that she's not a celebrity, so no one would commission her to write that book. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, means the 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 logic of the joke is flawed. Um, so uh, yeah, and the jo- the joke of my joke is because i wrote our first book a first time for everything with my wife which is about the first year of a kid's life then they came back to us you want to write another book and i said no i was unhappy with the creative partnership so i ditched my wife and wrote it with my four-year-old son (laughs) because i've never seen a fart book written by a child who it's that's their humor because the syntax is so weird the way that he writes a joke is so strange but and I just was proud of him to write he wrote some jokes and I was like, That's a joke. That's an actual joke that you just wrote. And I've made a disgusting rod for my own back because all he talks about is farts and bums. <laughs> and every time I say anything, he just says, But Daddy, didn't we don't we write fart books? And I'm like, This is you don't see this in succession. This is a genuine issue. So but that money has gone into into some Vanguard index funds for the kids. So the third third one has been co-written with my one-year-old daughter. And uh, so that, will then that becomes her one. So that's my excuse.
0: (laughs) That's cool. That is real cool. And you came fourth on Dancing with the Stars?
1: Which is rigged. So Celia, my great friend and very funny comedian, she worked out early that you can't just be funny you got to get a bit of sob in there. You've got to get a bit serious, or I wouldn't do it. Yeah. So Seals one. I love Celia. I'm a much better dancer than she is. <laughs> Christian Wilkins, great friend of mine. We shared a dressing room. If you've ever shared a dressing room with Travis Cloak, Bo Ryan, and Christian Wilkins, you truly know what men who refuse to wear clothing truly is. Never never have you seen men. It's like their clothes dissolved on impact. They would walk into a room and it was like their clothes had evaporated and the three of them would just be there in their jocks like like, like, like like the magicians.
0: Footy players, dressing room.
1: But Christian's not a fucking, fucking – where did Wilkins learn that? Anyway, so – Hanging out with footy players. <laughs> Maybe, yes. Um, but Christian will be the – he's not a bad dancer, but they will all be the first to admit that I was the best dancer yeah. and I stand by that. So, so
0: it is rigged. <laughs> it was rigged.
1: <laughs> See, where's your sob story? I, I don't I've got one, but I can't be asked using it. Do they?
0: Fair, fair, fair. Mm. So apart from radio, TV, Dancing with the Stars, some podcasts, team effort, I believe one is called. Mm. Is that still running?
1: Yeah. So that's me, Tony Martin, Ash Williams, Jay Mueller, and whoever else. Yeah. The premise was that it was like a fake self-help podcast, but it normally, it's just, a an excuse to hang out with Tony. It's the only reason I do it, so I can have, make sure I have a regular excuse to hang out with Tony, um, and that is the literally the only reason it exists. Also, uh, as this comes out, Ross Noble, which I do a podcast with, he kept touring and stuff like that because after the pandemic, you know, Noble went back out on tour. Called me up the night after the Royal Coronation, and he goes, "You know, oh, maybe we could do a podcast about it." And I was like, "Oh yeah, what do you mean?" No, what Ross meant was that we would sit in the room and commentate the whole damn thing. So there's three <laughs> hours of there's three hours of that content, which has just gone out. Beautiful. But I, I I love it. I love a podcast. I, what are your favorite? What are your three favorite podcasts? Go.
0: My three favorite. Um, Full Send. What's that? Um, it's by a group of boys in America, Nelk Boys.
1: And what are they about? What's it about?
0: Um. They kind of got famous just for partying and that sort of stuff, but they speak to a lot of interest in different people. Like they've had Trump on there twice. Right. um, Elon Musk, like those sort of things. Yeah, they've. Okay, so
1: Full Send. Okay, so there's a lot of them. Full Send. Is it the Full Send podcast or Full Send exclamation point?
0: Full Send podcast.
1: Great. Okay, excellent. Great. I'll listen to that. Yep, keep going.
0: (laughs) Um, i listen to Raw Talk, which is a fitness one.
1: Is it raw? Is in a lion, or is in,
0: uh, uh, in raw? Is in R A W raw meat.
1: Here we go. Raw talk. Bradley Martin.
0: Yep, that's the one.
1: Okay, let's see what they're on about. That's like versus. A, is it UFC?
0: Um, no, it's like just fitness kind of stuff. Interviews okay. from people. Great. Um, yep. Okay.
1: Good. Yep. Obviously. See, this is the reason. If you want to get to here's the modern way to get to know someone. The f- easiest way to get to know someone: two simple questions. Tell me your top three favorite podcasts and tell me your top three YouTube deep dives, deep, you, recent YouTube deep dives. Oh. We'll get to those in a second. Okay. okay, so Raw Talk, Full Send. I'm
0: writing these down. Yep, Raw send. Talk, Full Send. And? Um, I want to say one minute remaining for our friend Jack. Is it? I I listen to it, but I'd say you never know.
1: What the fuck is that? <laughs>
0: yeah, is in YA. Oh, God. Yep. <laughs> you never no. Uh, are
1: the rest of the words spelled correctly?
0: No, never's, no never's N E V A. <laughs> okay. Why
1: would they why would they be? Right, yeah, never know. Okay, so Mike. By my mother name of Mike? Yeah. And so what does
0: Mike do? Uh, Mike's kind of self help without being so down your throat self help.
1: Yeah. Never.
0: Talks to a lot of like baseball players from America.
1: Okay. And has he been cancelled for anything? No. Okay. Um, he was a baseballer, was he? A failed baseballer. Oh, like Billy Bean,
0: turned rapper, but not a rapper.
1: A fake rapper? Well, he's white. Mm, it's always so, tough. It's always tough. All yeah. right, that's a that's a good. Okay, that's great. Now YouTube, let's go. Last three YouTube deep dives. Number um, one.
0: Do you want to know what my last three searches were? Yes. Okay. Ed Cavali. Good. <laughs> Morgan Wallen.
1: That, oh, the, the country singer?
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, Why? Because you get told you look like him or because you like the music?
0: I like the music. I get told I look like Luke Combs all the time. That's
1: the one I meant. Yep.
0: Thank you. <laughs> uh, Why did
1: he do Fast Car?
0: That's good, though. It was one of his um, dad used to play it for him on the guitar when he was growing up. Good
1: angle. Yeah. Yep. Good angle. Wasn't. And no one can check. Yep. Yeah. Keep going. Yep.
0: Um, Cody Trains. Cody Coe, the comedian.
1: K.O.? Yeah, pretty. Cody Ko- with KO. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. See, I already learned. See, well, that's all I need to know. That's everything I need to know about you. Those three <laughs> podcasts and those three YouTube deep dives, apart from the first one. are oh, no, sort of. Are everything that you would ever need to know about someone. Well, there you go. It's a it's a, it's a shortcut for um, it's a shortcut for getting to know every anyone you ever want to get to know.
0: Well, then, what are your three YouTube searches?
1: My last three are lego soldiers because my son my son he's in his five and he's into lego and he's also into the military yep. and i said to him he wants to watch lego people make uh stop motion animation lego films yep and i said that's fine but we're only watching ones that are based on actual historical battles so that we can use some try and get some learning in as well yeah so um we watched that D Day. He really enjoyed the one on D Day. That was a lot of fun. Um, so, who, <laughs> and he's into ancient Rome at the moment. Very so nice. he's like, he keeps asking. So the ancient ancient Rome, Daddy, what happened? I'm like, Jesus. Um, yeah. Well, they expanded too much, and then they Caesar the senators turned on him. Why, Daddy? I'm like, Jesus. Oh, <laughs> God, for God fucking sake. Well, they thought. It may, what's good about it is, I set myself a task. Right when I had my son, and now my daughter to never say to get to the end of their lines of insane questioning and say, I don't know. No. Nope. I will chase their logic until I have to learn about it and send it back and have some, and so I can learn some knowledge on the back end of it. And I don't know anything about parenting, but that has been, so, I read that somewhere actually, and I remember thinking, good, and I've been doing that. And Maybe Hamish told me it, but that is a, it's a fucking belter. Cool. so good. Um, trauma zone, the, you would love this. <laughs> So there's an English guy called Adam Curtis.
0: Yeah.
1: Do you know him? Nope. You'd love it. So because he works at the BBC. I'll write it down. Ready? Adam Curtis, write this, can't get you outer, spelled outer, as in outer content. my -hmm. head, not the Kylie song, the six one hour from last year documentaries an emotional history of the 20th century. So it's the history of the 20th century told through individuals. However, the way that Adam Curtis does things is because he works for the BBC, he has access to every piece of archival footage ever shot. He also has, because it's the BBC, access to every piece of music ever played. And because he's a former journalist, rock journalist, and television segment producer, which is key, so he knows what people actually want to watch, he... um, he puts together these documentaries in a cupboard by himself in the BBC. Really? You will love it. Right. So he did one after that, which you're meant to watch after. Watch after that one called Trauma Zone, Trauma. which is about the fall of the the rise, the, the fall of communism, and then the rise and fall of democracy in Russia. No voiceover, just archival footage. Ten thousand hours the BBC shot, and no one bothered to look at it until no. he had a look. It's a fucking no. belter. It's really, slightly- really good. That's one. Oh, no, that's two. Um, <laughs> um, and then, well, this doesn't count. Jerry Springer's best fights because that's
0: because
1: he, <laughs> he died. Yeah, yeah. Right. And just some absolute beauties. <laughs> some fucking beauties. People who just come out ready to swing. Yeah, um, and then, oh, no, nah, this is terrible.
0: <laughs>
1: nah. Fuck. Sapruda <laughs> <laughs> Film Mystery.
0: Sapruda Film? Yeah. What is that?
1: Oh, this is JFK shot in the head.
0: Oh, okay. So JFK's on stuff. Yeah.
1: Sapruda's the guy who shot the home video. Oh, I'm, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Didn't know I'm a that. big JFK guy. I'm a big JFK guy. Yeah. And that was... And I heard on a crazy podcast someone mentioned it. I was like, oh, never seen that. So I went on YouTube to watch it. Ooh, fuck. Even for me, I was like, Jesus Christ, it's a bit yeah, nice. we're really in a rabbit hole here. So that's it. Now podcasts, I'll ask myself the same question.
0: What are your top three <laughs> podcasts?
1: At the moment. Now what's what pace do you what's what speed do you listen to?
0: Regular. Not I'm a rookie. But I drive for an hour to work.
1: So? You get two in that way. One point five. What are you doing?
0: True. All right, I'll try it. Mm. Life and rest.
1: Rest is history It's compulsory listening
0: Okay Rest is history
1: Yep The bloke who wrote Dominion Ever read Dominion About Christianity I
0: haven't like. Oh
1: fucking hell What a book So we well, him and his mate So that's compulsory listening The yep. the rest is history Bill Simmons But that doesn't count Because everyone listens to that So let's not Let's leave that one there Yeah
0: Okay Yep
1: Yeah that, you, that's, I take that as a As given
0: Yeah yep. Yep.
1: That's fair isn't it uh, Ross Noble podcast because I had to check the audio on the six fucking hours he made us do. So,
0: <laughs> yep, fair.
1: Yeah, and now I'm just going through because I've got all that thing. I've got to unfollow a bunch of shows that. Um, and then, what's my other? Oh, uh, ah, no, these. I hate their fucking reenactments. They're dickheads. Um, Sizzletown Tony Show.
0: Sizzletown, I haven't listened.
1: Tony Martin Show. Right. Go back and listen from a while ago.
0: Okay. All right, I'll give it a listen tomorrow morning on my way And
1: more. And and audio books? What are you listening to?
0: Oh, this will be a good one. Where's my thing. I just finished Matthew McConaughey's book on Green, oh, Green Lights. Yeah. So I listened to that on
1: Times Two. Fuck that guy talks slow. And what was your favorite one takeaway that you had? What would it be?
0: Don't take life too seriously. I liked about his time. Which is time
1: ironic time. coming from him. I've interviewed him. You've never seen a more fucking touchy, self-absorbed fucking... It's unbelievable. I really? played a grab, a grab from his book, but I forgot that I'd left it on 1.5 because I was just sending it to my audio producer, and he yeah. got so angry. You've sped me up. I'm like, hey, shithead, I just listened to six and a half hours of you fucking crap on about yourself, and you fucking get the shits it's 1.5? Yeah, fuck off. It's not fucking Handel. You're not playing Handel's fucking music. It's not Beethoven's Fifth. I think a little bit of pace is okay, buddy.
0: Like I thought he'd um, be all right.
1: Nah, the opposite. Yeah. So, um, so the only good bit. Oh no, it was all right. But the bit that I really liked was Many dates and Confused. Have you. ever seen that? I
0: um, don't think so. Mm,
1: go and watch it. So it's about the an obsession of the that people have for twenty years earlier. So Chuck yeah. Klosterman's book, The Nineties,
0: yeah,
1: touches on it about how every play every generation is obsessed with things that happened 20 years before it and that's why people are dressing like they're in the 90s now i mean you see it's like it's anyway whatever it normally holds true and that movie days are confused is about the obsession with 20 years ago and how stupid it was but people took it the wrong way it's about the 70s and he thought that richard Linklater was like yeah everyone's gonna be like the 70s were a waste of time people the movie came out i was like aren't the 70s great (laughs) it led to a revival (laughs) so but his book, the '90s, is really good. Chuck Closeman's book, the '90s, very good. Nice, oh,
0: sweet. All right. Well, I wrote that movie down. But I just started listening to um, Tough by
1: Terry Crews. By Terry Crews. Interesting. Yeah. Okay, I'll write that down. Um, the Coloring Book, Colin Quinn. Colin Quinn's from a few years ago now. The opening line is: "A comedian tries to solve race relations in America." Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's really good. <laughs> And what do you know about Alan Partridge? Nothing. No. Well, start with this time. So Alan Partridge, this time, no, Mid Morning Matters. Alan Partridge, Mid Morning Matters. He's a fake DJ from America, from the UK. The character's been going forty years. That's how funny it is.
0: Alrighty, Mid Morning yeah. Matters. Yeah. Done. Saved. That one's the book as well. Yeah.
1: No, that'll end. Up, then it'll get you into the books. That's how you watch it. That's how you get. That's how you learn to to appreciate Alan.
0: Okay. okay. Perfect. Done. God, what a good time written down. I've also got the Friends book, bookmarked, ready to go. Which like, one? The Matthew Perry one. Friends, Lovers, and the Big Terrible. Why do you care thing? about that? What? Matthew Perry? Yeah. Actually, you, you know what? Friends is kind of like a comfort show to me.
1: Yes. And, and that's interesting because Chuck covers that in the 90s. The reason that it still works, he yeah. he – puts forward and I agree with him mm. is because it could be any time in the world it could be anywhere in the world it could be any time in the world no coffee shop looks like that no apartment looks like that nobody talks like that yeah. so it's, it, could be, it could be any time it never gonna da- it's never going to date yeah, no.
0: it just goes forever and I've watched it from 1 to 10 so many times my miss- it's eternal my missus miss knows if I'm in a bad mood mate it's, it's, it's <laughs> eternal it's eternal yeah. it, I don't know how they did it but it's fucking eternal that's good It's Mm. definitely good. Mm. Oh, well. Do you have anything happening this year? Anything exciting?
1: Yeah. So we did a live show at the Comedy Festival of a movie that I wrote about radio called uh, Team Effort Movie. And we're hoping to do more of that. So that hopefully is going to be used. So so we do this thing called compliance training where you go and you sit in a room and the lawyers say, all right, here are the things that happened last year that you're not meant to say on radio and they play you clips of shit that people have said that they are not meant to say. The point's meant to be don't do this, but it's hilarious. It's always the best day of the year. And I've been doing it. And for 12 years, I've been taking notes and I took every single thing that has been said over that journey and I put it into the mouth of one character. Oh, no. And, <laughs> uh, this is only because the guy who... Features more than anyone else. Every year, he's on there. Every single year. Same bloke. Here we go again. Here we go again. Here we go again. Do you think this man has been fired? No. Nope. No, this year he got a Lifetime Achievement Award. And so <laughs> that tells you, I was like, oh, that's right. This is all ridiculous. Let's have some fun, shall we? Uh,
0: beautiful. Hmm? So it's all based on him? <laughs> it's based on everyone. Loosely based on
1: no, so some of him, some of AM radio, some sports radio, just classics, the classics.
0: Yeah, nice, beautiful. Well, that'll be good. Yeah, be fun. And then just your TV shows.
1: Yeah, have been paying attention. Back, um, mate. Oh yeah, week. this week. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, what am I talking about? Oh shit. Yeah, this Sunday. Hmm, okay. No oh, um, Monday. No, we film Sunday. Oh dear. Yeah, because we. It's only when I say we edit. We take out the things that Marty Shugold says that will bring down the network. And then <laughs> sometimes someone will say something that, like Pang in particular, would say something. He knows it can't go to where, but he's just doing it to amuse himself and, or, and us. And you go, right, thats
0: mm.
1: that was for this room and that's room only.
0: <laughs> no, that's cool. Are they good to work with, Tom, Sam, and all the others?
1: Yeah, so we give each other a lot of shit only because we're friends. Everyone knows that dynamic. People yep. are always like, oh, you give each other a lot of shit. And I'm like, yes, because we've been friends for 15 years and that's, I love it. It's so much fun seeing them because Rob and all the other working dog guys are all there and, you know, it's just the best, just the best fun. There's yep. no other, people are always looking for an angle every time it comes back and I'm like, oh, I'm sorry to keep saying it, but we just, we genuinely like each other and enjoy doing it. That's, yep. there's sometimes things that's, sometimes that's what it is. Yeah. People okay. just like each other and they enjoy doing it together.
0: Oh, that's good. And Husey and Aaron, they're good?
1: Mate, they are exactly who they are. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. That's what you see is what you get.
0: Awesome. Actually, and I've got one last thing, and it's for my missus, not for me. Tell me. How you and your partner met, Tiff? I was doing fill-in radio
1: with Josh on Nova. Gladiators was on. I saw my wife and my friend Christian. He said, you'll marry her. I was like, fucking, I wish. And then she came in for an interview. I thought, ah, got her back again, got her back again. Then on the third day, she goes, are you going to ask me out or what? And then I said, all right. So I rang her and then she's sort of been together ever since. So it's one of those stories that I don't know how people get together now.
0: Yeah.
1: I genuinely don't. I think it's so much harder because – I just don't get it. I don't see how people I've got so many single friends who are great who want to meet someone but it's like the weight of options are fucking killing them. It's online. It's, it's killed it, it. It's it's crazy. Mm. Someone said to me once, a friend of mine who's you know in her twenties, I said, oh, Are you seeing anyone? She goes, You know what the problem is? I said, No. She goes, My potential dating pool is the entire English speaking world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, "Oh yeah,
0: that would take a lot to sift through. (laughs) Yeah. I suppose all the online stuff's kind of ruined it for a lot of people.
1: It's ruined it slash made it a lot easier to be single, I think, forever, if you want to be. I've got friends of of mine in their 40s. They're like, why the fuck would I settle down? I'm like, yeah, I get it.
0: Yeah, 100%. 100%. I don't know. I've met my partner at school. Really? We were both at school. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She was a year below me at school. But together, we got together at school and then went our, our separate ways for a few years. I went traveling, she went traveling, and here we are. How Eight. long have you been together now? Eight years this year. Oh.
1: It's yeah. a very Gold Coast story.
0: Yeah, it is. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's- I don't mean that in a bad way.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, she's a Byron girl, unfortunately. But
1: Oh, no. Can't judge her on that. Oh, that's <laughs> devastating
0: news. That's <laughs> no, no, it's yeah, cute. Awesome. Well, anyway, it's been fun.
1: Thanks for your time.
0: No, thank you. I've thoroughly enjoyed it and all the best with everything in the future. Hey, good luck with the sanctuary. Thank you. One day.
1: Yeah, that's that's. So that's a great – it's a great – and I'm going to go listen to raw talk, full send, and ya never no,
0: Yes, and I will read those books. I've got them written down here somewhere. Nice one. All right. Thanks, Carl. Nice Thanks. to talk. See you, mate. See yeah, mate. Have a good one. Mate. Bye. You too.